Judges lists really 12 or 13, depending on how you count them, uh, judges who gave themselves heroically to the work of God. Gideon was one of these. The heroes of the Bible inspire us on many different levels. They are defenders of the faith revealed in Scripture, but also the heroes of the Bible, and listen carefully, they work tirelessly to make their community, their family, the area where they live a better place. I want you to think with me for a moment. That is really what the Bible does. The Bible lifts us out of heathenism and brings us society. It lifts us out of disgusting practices morally and brings us into civility. The Bible does everything that would add to the benefit of human flourishing. From the very, very first words of the Bible, where God created man and woman and established the family unit as the bedrock of society, all the way through the laws that regulated the nation of Israel as a peculiar people of God, and then later into the New Testament as the Holy Spirit of God regulates our activity, all of these things are designed to help us in our community to build a better world for ourselves and for our children. At the very least, every hero of the Bible did that on one level or another. For example, Moses. Moses led the children of Israel in deliverance from Egypt. They had been slaves, Moses set them free. Following Moses was the great hero Joshua. Joshua was involved in the conquest of Canaan land. You say, what is Canaan? Canaan is the promised land. If you will, Canaan is geographical Israel, but far larger than the land that Israel currently occupies today. That is Canaan land. You say, Pastor Mati, did, did the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, dispossess certain other people, Canaanite people, who lived in the land? The answer to that is yes, they did. And they did so at the behest of God, and they did so for particular theological reasons. But there was a problem. As good a man as Joshua was, and as good of men as the elders under Joshua were, whom the Bible gives a approbation, a praise for, in regard to their loyalty and faith in God. As good a man as he was, he did not complete the task of removing all of the heathen tribes from the land. He left some. As time went on and we move into the settlement period, which really is what the book of Judges covers, the settlement of Israel, as time went on, the people became less actively interested or engaged in the removal of all of the heathen from the land. Now, that was in direct disobedience to what God had said. You say, well, Pastor Mahdi, this all sounds very tribal. You can be critical if you will. God in Israel was establishing the Hebrew people as a peculiar people. And the great danger was that his people would be tempted in idolatry. And the people of the land, they were, in addition to being genetically disformed, disfigured. And I won't get into all of that. If you want to know what I just said, you say, whoa, 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 whoa Pastor Ryan, what did you just say? You better come to my Sunday school class in Genesis. In addition to having genetic corruption, some of the people of that land, the majority of them worshipped heathen gods. They worshipped a god known as Baal. Baal was a fertility cult. 
And if you allowed that false theology to exist side by side with the worship of Jehovah, it wouldn't be long until some of the Jews would convert over to that. And so God said, remove that completely from Israel. And ladies and gentlemen, that is God's right. See, it's never wise to have your enemy dwelling in the midst of you knowingly. It's never wise. Well, Pastor Marty, what about Israel today? It's never wise. Are we connecting some dots? It's never wise to allow your enemy, the person who would blow you up, slit your throat, rape your wives and children, otherwise known as Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. It's never wise to allow people like that to live in your midst. It is my personal conviction based on scripture and a whole heap of common sense that Israel needs to finish the job with Hamas until every member of Hamas is exterminated from that land. Oh, Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. This is good now. I thought I shocked some people. The reason being this. Ladies and gentlemen, newsflash. There is good and there is evil in this world. That's what the Bible teaches. You cannot kidnap, rape, pillage, and kill for any political reason whatsoever innocent people and be viewed as good. You cannot stockpile weapons under hospitals and places of quote-unquote worship and be considered good people. You cannot take over an entire community and cause them to live in fear of their lives and subjugate them and be considered good. And so Israel today needs, by the way, Finish the job regardless of what Mr. Biden says. So tired of that. What a politician. And a horrible politician. You say, Pastor Monty, you shouldn't talk about this in the pulpit. No, I should. By the way, much of the Bible addresses political matters. And it's crystal clear, the enemies of God should not be dwelling in the midst of God's people. So God said, get rid of them all. They failed to do that in the conquest. So the period of judges was really a period of settlement of the land. What were they doing? It lasted, this period of time lasted about 350 years until uh, King Saul came on the scene. There were 12 judges uh, mentioned in the book, but seven of them given in detail. You say, well, what happened? Okay, people were settling in the land. They lived in the land. uh, But then there were enemies. They had left them there. There were enemies that would come. And so the judges were military leaders. And sometimes God used the enemy as judgment against Israel. You say, why? Because Israel sinned. Just as God had predicted, they left the heathen people of the land there. Israel was tempted to sin. And the greatest sin in the Bible is idolatry. The greatest sin is the pastor money, sin is sin, it's all equal. No. Now, where did you get that crazy idea? It's one thing if you as a child were to steal a cookie from the cookie jar. Anyone here ever do that? Yeah. It's another thing if you take a human life. Those things are two entirely different things. Never say that all sin is equal in the eyes of God, it is not. In the Bible, the greatest and most significant sin that a person can commit 
is the sin of idolatry, worshiping another god. And so when the Israelites, following the people in the land, committed that sin, God allowed the people of the land, or foreign invaders, to come in and to be act as judgment. So they would sin, then there would be the consequence, as we read a moment ago, this time the Midianites. Then the people would cry unto the Lord, there would be repentance on the part of Israel, and then there would be deliverance. And Gideon was one of the men who would bring deliverance. I want to submit an idea to you this morning. I believe this. God calls men to rise up against oppression. God calls men to rise up against oppression, to make life better for our families and for our communities. Oh, you said, Pastor Bonnie, that's the elected government there to do that. No. No, see, government is part of the problem. It is not part of the solution. Do you know what our communities need? Is heroic Christian men who are minded to push back against the craziness of society and reclaim our nation for Jesus Christ. What we need in this country is an army of people who will be bold enough to push back against the foolishness of woke philosophy, who will be bold enough to say enough is enough, who will draw the line in a Christ-like fashion, but in a firm fashion, and who will say, we're not going to give away our community. We're not going to give away our schools. We're not going to give away the institutions that made this land great. We will not surrender. That's what we need. But you know what? We have a bit of a problem. We have a bunch of Gideons. Now, wait a minute. Pastor Monty wasn't Gideon a hero? Oh, yes. But you know what he faced? The same challenges we do. Because it's really easy to be a cheerleader. I love it when you clap, by the way. I feel like such a, such a, yeah, you can stop now. <laughs> when you clap at appropriate moments, let's put it that way. We face the same challenges that our friend in the book of Judges faced. We face the same challenges that Gideon looked at. You say, Pastor, what are they? I want to give you a few this morning. And I want you to think about this. Because if we're going to reclaim what is rightfully ours as American citizens, by the way, you have a voice. You have a voice. It's not just the left that has a voice. You have a voice. You should raise your voice. Well, Pastor Monty, people will think, who cares what people think? Time to raise your voice, okay? If we fail to do that, we're going to lose and give away everything. But we have some challenges. I want you to notice some challenges that uh, Gideon faced. Number one, the challenge of apathy. Look at verse number 11, Judges 6, verse 11. The Bible says, and there came an angel of the Lord. Now, now, who is this? This is a theophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is who this is. This is Jesus coming in a pre-incarnate form. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Oprah, that pertaineth unto Joash, the Aborizite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Hide it from the Midianites. Now, a winepress is a place where they would squeeze the grapes to make grape juice. Here... Gideon is threshing wheat. He's winnowing the wheat. He, what is he doing? He's taking the wheat and putting it up in the air, and the chaff is blowing away, but a wine press is a very small place. 
He has been doing this to save his crops from the Midianite invaders. He has been doing this for seven years. For seven years, the Bible says, the Midianites had oppressed the Hebrew people. And so here is Gideon. You say, how old is Gideon? Probably middle-aged, because he had a teenager. The Bible reveals that later on. So probably in his middle age. Here is Gideon hiding with his wheat. And there couldn't have been a whole lot of it. He's hiding with his wheat, and he says, I've got to get the chaff out of this. We're going to do the thing to get the chaff out of it. But we're going to hide so the Midianites don't see me doing it, so I can make flour and feed my family. You say, Pastor, he had to hide. Well, maybe. But do you see it as an accommodation to oppressor and oppressor? You see, I think in America we become apathetic, listen to what I'm about to say, in that we go along with it all too much. We go along with it too much. Well, Pastor, I I shouldn't say anything. No, No, maybe you should. Maybe you should. Pastor Monty, I shouldn't press back on these cultural issues. No, maybe you should. You see, the left is feeding this garbage to us, shoving it down our throats in every avenue possible, and we're taking it, listen carefully, and we're becoming apathetic, and follow me, what we're doing ultimately is we're kind of uh, going along with it. We're just accepting it. Well, you know, Pastor Monty, right now, you know, we better just thresh our wheat over here, because if we get in the limelight somehow, we're all going to get in big trouble. I know, right? The problem is, we're already in trouble. The problem is we're giving up. The problem is we allow apathy to reign. Well, if you just, Pastor, if you say the wrong thing, I'm so tired of that. There's freedom of speech in this country. And if I'm preaching the Bible, the Bible is never the wrong thing. The Bible is always the right thing, regardless of the later, latest flavor of the culture. But when we are inundated by this pressure so much, it could cause us to become a little bit um, um, accommodating to that. And I think this is what Gideon did. He, his accommodation, by the way, limited his productivity and freedom. His box got smaller, listen, as he gave up. Well, Pastor, he, he couldn't just go winnowing the wheat out, right out in public. Obviously, he couldn't do that. Why not? Well, because the Midianites would come. Maybe they would. But there was an alternative that is not mentioned here. By the way, the Lord will mention it in a moment. The alternative would have been for Gideon to get his neighbors together and all of them to be armed with ARs. (laughs) Oh, did I just say that? Mm. And to defend their right to freely winnow their wheat the way they wanted to. Do you see, sometimes when we cave into all the pressure, we're kind of giving away our freedom. And now Gideon finds himself very limited in his little wine press area, secretly trying to get his work done. Gideon, I think, here acted as a victim by accepting his circumstances rather than changing them. In my opinion, his submission is sickening. And we have the same thing happening in our country today. And Christians even piously, well, Pastor Martin, I just don't think we should discuss these matters in church. Christians piously hand over their right to free speech. Piously. I mean, they're pretending they're all spiritual. By the way, do you know what that is? That's not spirituality, it's cowardice. Let us be clear about that. It's not spiritual to keep your mouth shut. It's cowardice. We have Christians who will just hand over everything 
Oh, we, we, there's, we should not talk about these things. How ridiculous. He was challenged, I think, by apathy. Apathy and acceptance are always the enemies of freedom and success. Well, Pastor, we just have to go along with everything today. Do we really? That's part of the problem. The greatness of this country did not come about by people who just decided to get along with the tyranny of Great Britain. The greatness of this country came when people said enough is enough. And we're coming very close to that point today. The challenge of apathy, Gideon faced it. Number two, the challenge of a victim mentality. Look at what it says in verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Boy, the Lord had a different view of him, didn't he? He's not looking so mighty right now, but God is speaking prophetically there. By the way, gentlemen, can I say something? If you're a Christian, God sees in every man in this room a mighty man of valor. You maybe don't see it, but God sees it. And so he tells Gideon, Gideon, this is who you really are. You're a mighty man of valor. Verse 13, Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? There's Gideon's complaint. And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Why is all of this, Gideon said, befallen us? That, that's the challenge of the victim mentality. Lord, if, if God's really there, then why is this happening? Gideon saw himself and his people as victims of some form of random fate, with the assumption that God had somehow abandoned his people, but Gideon did not recognize the importance of taking responsibility for his situation. Well, how, how was Gideon responsible? Idolatry was rampant. God said he would judge idolatry. The reason that the Midianites had such success in their persecution of Israel was because Israel was engaged in idolatry, and even in Gideon's own family. Wait a minute, Pastor Monty. Yeah, we'll not get there now, but you read to the end of the chapter, and you're going to find that Gideon's ma and pa on their property had an altar to Baal, and they were worshiping heathen gods. Now, to his credit, later, Gideon knocks it all down. He went there by night. Sneaking over, knocked it all down. And he did it at the commandment of God, but to have that much idolatry in the land, it is no wonder that there was judgment. Gideon would not take responsibility for the situation. He basically said, well, if the, if the Lord exists, then why has all this befallen us? The Hebrew people had failed to secure their borders. Yeah. I mean, that's what it amounts to. They failed in the conquest. They failed to secure their borders. Gideon looked at himself as a victim, and he was only a victim because he allowed it. He adopted that persona. Folks, that's a ticket to a very bad and highly controlled society. When you believe that you're a victim, Pastor Mine, I, I have been victimized. When you adopt that persona, you subconsciously set aside all ability to ever make things better. If you believe you're a victim, 
you then say, I don't have the power. The essence of victimhood is not having power. I don't have the power to make things better. Someone else needs to make them better for me. Do you see how dangerous a mentality that is? And yet it's so easily adopted today. The, the challenge that Gideon faced was one of apathy. It was also one of a victim mentality. A third thing he faced was this, the challenge of entitlement. Drop down to verse number 13. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon faced the challenge of apathy, the challenge of a victim mentality, but I think in verse number 13 also the challenge of entitlement. He had an entitlement mentality. He wanted God's blessing without being loyal to God. He was in essence saying, where is the Lord that brought them out of the land of Egypt? We want to see that God while we worship Baal in our backyard. It's a wonder we as a nation know any blessings from God with the condition that we're in. Pastor Monty, you know, if there really was a God, he'd fix all of our problems. No. If you really believe in God, maybe you'd repent. Maybe you'd put yourself in the place, and we as a nation would put ourselves in the place where once again we could experience the blessing of God. See, for a moment, Gideon kind of revealed an entitlement attitude. He said, well, the former generation saw God in all of his glory and all of the miracles, and we just don't see any of that, as if somehow he deserved it. Cynicism toward God grew in his heart, because of misplaced expectations. I want every eye on me right now. This so troubles me. Even among Christian people. Christian people have the idea that God should be at their beck and call and that they are entitled to God always answering their prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not so. Some of the greatest Christians to ever live, including the Apostle Paul, struggled with the idea of unanswered prayer. When God does not answer your prayer, it does not mean that he is not God. It means that he is acting in a way that is consistent with who he is and what is best for you. And when some Christians feel so entitled to have some kind of immediate divine epiphany, or somehow God would step immediately out of the heavens to fix the mess they created, and that they're entitled to this. That whole thinking is antithetical to the Christian faith. My loyalty is to God, whether God, want, whether God does what I want or not. And Christians who become cynical because they hit a bump in the road in their life, and that's what it amounts to. Christians who become cynical because they hit a bump in the road in life and God didn't straighten it all out have a very, very shallow faith, if any real faith at all. I think in those words in verse 13, Gideon blamed God for circumstances and he felt that God owed them deliverance when really their circumstances they brought upon themselves by their idolatry. Gideon doubted the stories of God's work in the past because God did not meet his expectations in the present. How many people are like that? Well, Pastor Wani, I wish the God of the Bible were here. He's here. He's here. 
and he's real. Well, Pastor Monty, I just need God to straighten out this huge mess I made. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But he's here and he's real. And by the way, if you're genuinely a Christian, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has a plan even in the things that we don't like about our lives. Entitlement mentality, Gideon believed that God's disfavor meant God's forsaking. However, God said he'd never break his covenant with the Jewish people. So God made that deal, that covenant with Abraham. It was ratified and reaffirmed with Isaac and Jacob, but God said to Abraham, I'm gonna make you a great people. Gonna extend your property. You're gonna own all the land of Israel. All of these promises given to Abraham and that that covenant is unconditional and can never be broken by God. But Gideon says, I think the Lord has utterly forsaken us. Quite the wrong mentality to have. He faced a challenge of an entitlement mentality. You see, the entitlement mentality is me-centered and not God-centered. The entitlement mentality says at any given moment, I know what's best in my life, and if God doesn't concur, then God is wrong. It's really dangerous thinking. It really moves us away from the God of the Bible. Entitlement mentality is an attempt to obligate God to our whims and to make God to be the ultimate servant of man. And ladies and gentlemen, that is as antithetical to Scripture and as anti-biblical as any philosophy could ever be. So Gideon faced the personal challenge of apathy. He'd gotten used to things as they were. He faced a little bit of the victim mentality. He faced the challenge of entitlement. But I think he also faced the challenge of intimidation. Look at verse 14, please. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, now speaking to Gideon, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Verse 15. And he, Gideon, said to him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. Manasseh was their tribe. And I am the least of my father's house. Kind of a challenge we face, some of us do, the idea of being intimidated. Pastor Monty, we're, we're such a small group of people, and the job is so big. You ever felt that way about our society? You ever felt that way about evangelism? We're, we're, we're just a tiny little group of people, and, and there's this whole world. And the whole world is marching rapidly away from Christianity. In the scriptures... The great heroes of our faith were ones who acted for God against all odds. Think with me, if you will, about the disciples of Jesus. There were 12 of them until one of them, Judas Iscariot, left. After that, there were 11. Later, Matthias was elected to the 12. But in the book of Acts, we see at the most 12 disciples. And they were told by the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they were told to evangelize every inch of the world. And there was only 12. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen, they did it. It's not the number of people, but it's the God who infuses the power behind the people. I think that um, he faced the challenge of intimidation. 
he was intimidated by the task to save Israel. Gideon was likely middle-aged. How am I going to do this? He was intimidated by his background. He was poor. He was disadvantaged. Pastor Monty, there's just no way. I, I could never rise up to be anything different from I am because, because look at the white trash family that I came from. You look at me. That doesn't matter. There's a God in heaven. By the way, you're an American. I want you to look at me right now. You are not disadvantaged. As far as this whole world goes, you're an American. So, so you're in the top 98% just by virtue of the fact that you were born here. You're in the top 98% of people in the entire world. I don't care if you don't have the latest iPhone. That does not make you disadvantaged. Every person in this room has the advantages of American citizenship. Oh, Pastor Money, I don't have it as good as so-and-so. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. We live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We all have something that is equal across the board. It is the word opportunity. Well, Pastor Money, I have to work harder than so-and-so. Well, good, because hard work is a good thing. Gideon, I think, was thinking about his disadvantaged position. He wasn't from a wealthy family. Manasseh, as a tribe, was militarily a weak tribe. He was, I think, intimidated by his insignificance. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. God has a way of taking the least likely and making that one a success. And by the way, I've seen that over and over and over again in my ministry the kid that everyone overlooks, the kid that everyone thinks, oh, he's trouble, he's trouble. By the way, some of the kids who were the most trouble are the best young preachers that I know. They were horrible trouble. So bad, I'll never tell you everything about it. But it was horrible, okay? <laughs> Intimidation and insecurity and fear are all satanic. And they are issues that were faced by Gideon. Fear and self-doubt always limit you. And intimidation defeats you before you even try. What, what am I saying? I'm saying that, and I'll continue my message tonight with a little bit different emphasis. I'm saying that God needs some Gideons in America. God needs some Gideons at Faith Baptist Church. But I'm also saying I understand that there are challenges afoot to that. Things we need to get over. You say, Pastor Money, how did Gideon go from all the challenges you just gave? How did he go from that to the hero that he became. You'll have to stay tuned for tonight. But suffice it to say this, God desires every man, and I, I know I kind of preached to men this morning, it applies to women too, so don't get all bent out of shape. God desires every man in here to rise up and be a Gideon and acknowledges the challenges you will face. Pastor, would I change America? Maybe not but you could change your home. Pastor, you know, I, I, I'm just going to live the way things are and it's just, just better that way and I'll just leave it alone. I'm not going to try to improve. Really, you're apathetic. Well, you know, everybody else ought to have my wife ought to do all the work. Or, oh, you're entitled. Well, you know, if she wasn't so blah, 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 I could, oh, you're a victim. Is everybody connecting the dots here? Because a true hero will make things better for his family and his community because he is that man. Be a Gideon. Tonight I'm going to show you how. Father, I pray that you'll help us to understand the challenges that we face. 
Lord, as men in a society that in so many ways was no different from that of Gideon's, Lord, I pray you'll speak to every man's heart here. Help us, Lord, to understand that apathy will limit us. We'll never be a victim if we're apathetic or a, a, a victor if we're apathetic. That a victim mentality is poison to us. That entitlement is something that will eat away at our soul. And that intimidation will keep us locked in a very small sphere of influence. Holy Spirit, speak to every heart. Take your word and apply it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.